Blog Talk Radio. Steve B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. This radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B's Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, your host this evening is Stevie R. Butler from the state of North Carolina with my co-host, Tim Bench from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Corder from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you're tuning into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. We ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts on this broadcast, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a call, Stevie B Media Production Studio at 910, I'm sorry, Stevie B Media Production at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stand along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. So before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. While we pray that you will be with my co-host, Tim Bench, and Clay Phillips 
on the show this evening as they break unto us the bread of life. And also my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We pray that you will bless them and their families that support their efforts, that they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners this evening who are tuning in via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that they may consider their eternal stance before you and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask that you'll forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you'll continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you would save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the broadcast. Our speakers for this evening will be my co-host, Tim Bench. He serves with the Oham Lane Church of Christ there in Abilene, Texas. He's our first speaker for this evening. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my shout out platform on social media, Facebook. I'll be posing to my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington. He serves with the West Broward Church of Christ there in in Plantation, Florida. And to close out the show, my co-host Clay Phillips, he serves as the evangelist for the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next voice you hear will be that of my co-host, Tim Bench. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
listening to the gospel light radio show give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of jesus christ now my co-host tim bent and his subject hated by the world good evening as stevie mentioned my name is tim bench and i'm calling in tonight from abilene texas and as always we want to extend a warm welcome to all of our listeners Across the United States and across the globe, we are blessed to have so many people who tune in and listen to these segments, and we always hope that what is presented here will be educational and beneficial and scriptural to our listeners. If you have your Bibles this evening, let's turn together to John chapter 7, which we will be reading from, and this will serve as the basis for our lesson tonight We will be reading from verses 1 through 9, and I'll read this aloud for those who may not have their Bibles handy. After these things, Jesus moved about in Galilee, for he did not wish to move about in Judea because the Jews were out to kill him. The festival of the Jews, which is called the Festival of Tabernacles, was near. So his brothers said to him, leave here. And go down to Jerusalem so that your disciples will get the chance to see the works that you do. For no one goes on doing things in secret when he wishes to draw public attention to himself. Since you can do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. So Jesus said to them, the time of opportunity that I am looking for has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I bear witness about it that its deeds are evil. To the festival yourselves, I am not yet going up to the festival, because my time has not yet come. When he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. 
John chapter 15, verse 18, also echoes the sentiment that Christians will be hated by the world, as the verses that we just read express. To help us establish the context and the setting for these verses, let's read quickly from William Barclay's commentary on John. Quote, The festival of tabernacles fell at the end of September and the beginning of October. It was one of the obligatory festivals, and every adult male Jew who lived within 15 miles of Jerusalem was legally bound to attend it. But devout Jews from far outside the 15-mile radius delighted to go to it. It lasted altogether for eight days. When it came around, Jesus' brothers urged him to go to Jerusalem for it. But Jesus rejected their arguments and went in his own good time. It is impossible to treat Jesus with indifference. It did not matter when his brothers went to Jerusalem, for no one would notice they were going, and nothing whatsoever depended on their going. But Jesus' going was a very different thing. Why? Because his brothers were in tune with the world, and they did not make it uncomfortable. But Jesus' coming is a condemnation of the world's way of life and a challenge to selfishness and lethargy, end quote. From the James Burton Kaufman commentary on the book of John regarding these specific verses, quote, This chapter relates the events related to the Feast of Tabernacles in October prior to the Passover in April at which Jesus was crucified. The rapids begin to roar in this chapter. The rising storm of hatred against the Lord would not diminish until a cross arose upon Golgotha. The marvelous value of this section, John 7 through 10, is in the surgical manner of John's exposing all the complex elements leading up to the crucifixion. Jesus never allowed others to signal the time of his actions, and just as he rejected the suggestion of his mother at Cana in John chapter 2, verse 4, he here rejected the suggestion of his brothers regarding attendance at the feast, attending not all of it, but the last half of it, as per John 7, verses 1 through 13. Jesus' brothers and their friends had not broken with the hierarchy in Jerusalem, and thus it was all very well for them to go to the feast. But Jesus had broken with it, and they were plotting to kill him, John 5:18. For the Lord to have walked boldly into the trap laid for him in Jerusalem would have been folly. The Lord had dared to instruct them on the proper method of observing the Sabbath, exposing the sin of their regulations imposed in place of the divine law, and therefore the priests were determined to kill him, end quote. So the verse that we're going to specifically focus on tonight is John chapter 7, verse 7, where we read, The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that its works are evil. These are the words of rebuke spoken by Jesus Christ to his own unbelieving brothers. And it's amazing to consider that Jesus' own flesh and blood, brought up under the same roof as he, did not believe that he was the Messiah, John 7, verse 5. Yet we know from reading that this was the case, and the Lord's manner of rebuking them is therefore the basis of today's segment. The context of this verse indicates that this was indeed a harsh rebuke given by the Lord to address error in the lies of his own brothers. To paraphrase Jesus in modern terms, and this is from the Barnes Notes on the Bible, quote, 
You profess no principles in opposition to the world. You do not excite its envy or rouse against you the civil rulers as you possess the same spirit and principles with the men of the world. They cannot be expected to hate you, end quote. And the following excerpt from on John chapter 7, verse 7, from Gill's exposition of the entire Bible, quote, because they were of the world, belonged to it, they were like unto it, and every like loves its like. They were the world's own, and therefore, instead of being hated, were loved by it, and they walked according to the course of it. And wicked men not only take pleasure in sin, but in them that do it, end quote. From Schaff's popular commentary on the New Testament, quote, Jesus and his brothers stand in opposite relations to the world. They, at one with it, he, the reprover of its wicked works, end quote. From the fourfold gospel commentary by J.W. McGarvey and Philip Pendleton, quote, the world cannot hate you because you are in mind and heart a part of it, and it cannot hate itself. It hates those who are not part of it and who rebuke its sins and oppose its ways, end quote. And from a sermon by Chris McCurley from the Oldham Lane Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas, quote, Jesus was both loved and hated for preaching and teaching the truth. I don't know why we should expect anything different, end quote. Today, just as in the first century, any living Christian who the world does not hate stands in need of correction. So the first question for us to address this evening, should one desire the world's hatred? It's perfectly natural for each human being to desire the friendship and approval of other human beings. Our Creator Himself said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it is not good that the man should be alone. Therefore, it would be very unnatural and against the goodness of God's creation for a human being to desire to be hated by other human beings. The Lord commands his people to be a positive influence upon the world. We read that in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Paul stated that one of the reasons the Thessalonians were to keep his commandments was that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing from 1 Thessalonians 4:12. Prerequisite to one's being an elder in the Lord's church is that he must have a good report of them which are without, according to 1 Timothy 3, verse 7. While one can positively influence another who dislikes or even hates him, the effectiveness of that influence will be greatly lessened. People are more generally motivated to emulate and enjoy the company of and want to be around those that they love more than they hate, obviously. So in this sense, being hated by the world even hinders one from serving the Lord's purposes, which is primarily to seek and to save the lost, according to Luke 19, verse 10. Such things should cause one to avoid being hated by the world when possible, Romans 12, verse 18. God himself never desired the enmity of the world. If he did, would he express disappointment and disgust at the world's sin, as we read in Genesis 3, verse 13, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4, Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, and others. Would he have had a desire for reconciliation, Isaiah 1, verse 18, and 1 Timothy 2, verse 4? Would he have given his own son 
to obtain a reconciliation that most would reject. John 3.16, Acts 13.46, and Romans chapter 5, verse 8. So when Jesus spoke of being hated by the world, he was not speaking of a desire that one must have, but of a capacity that must exist. Question number two, who does the world hate? The world could not hate Jesus' brothers. Jesus specifically says, but me it hateth. These were the words that the Lord immediately added in John 7, verse 7. So why would the world hate Jesus, the compassionate Son of God, the Savior of all humanity, and the fulfillment of the great promise of God to bruise the head of Satan? Jesus knew the answer, and he gives that answer, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. People generally do not enjoy being told or shown that they are wrong, even when it is for their benefit. I suspect that all of us who have ever stepped behind a pulpit have experienced that. The reaction is typically anger and retaliation and lashing out. Yet this is what Jesus did. Jesus was the light of the world, John 8:12 and John chapter 9, verse 5. We can also read from John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Doeth truth, cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Seeing that the whole world lieth in wickedness, 1 John 5:19, the whole world was rebuked by Jesus. Jesus did this through preaching the truth. And as Christians are to be the light of the world, according to Matthew 5:14 and Ephesians 5, verse 8, they are to preach the truth and rebuke sin. We read in Ephesians 5:13, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. The world hated and detested and ultimately killed Jesus for preaching the truth and rebuking their sin. And certainly the world climate has changed since the first century, but is it really now that much more favorable to Christianity today? We live in an age in which an alleged peace has been struck between all differing faiths, between Baptists and Church of Christ and Methodists and Catholics between atheists and Jews and all denominations and professed Christians, a peace that's largely based upon the premise of we can agree to disagree, just don't tell me I'm wrong. A peace based upon as long as we believe in God, that's all that really matters. But because sin is ever-present, Christians are compelled to bear with unrelenting zeal the sword that Jesus sends into the earth, Matthew 10, verse 34. Christians are compelled to be distinct from a world of sin, yet, according to John 15, verse 19, if ye were of the world, the world would love its own, but because ye are not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. This is a citation from the pulpit commentary, quote, the world censor. It repels the judgment passed upon it. It is satisfied with itself and its own idea of righteousness. It is satisfied with its own standards and cries and professions so that to be accused of wrongful notions, 
of a depravity under the clothing of Pharisee propriety, of a hidden leprosy which is eating into its vitals, rouses all of its animosity. Do you strive to please your Lord in your conduct? Do you stand up for truth? Do you oppose wrong? Make no mistake, walking the Christian faith will inevitably spawn hatred and mockery and rebuke and exclusion and rejection from the world around us. You will be loathed and you will be detested and you will be mocked and you will be ill-treated and you will be hated by many people. This occurred to the first century apostles and it occurred to the early followers of Jesus and it occurred to Jesus Christ himself. It will certainly befall us today as well. First John 3.13, marvel not, my brother, if the world hates you. The following is from In Defense of the Christ's Church by Bert Thompson. Quote, Christ alerted his followers to the pressure yet to be brought upon them by other religions, Matthew 10.17, by civil governments, Matthew 10.18, and sadly, by some of their very own, 2 Thessalonians 3.1. He said, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, Matthew 10.22. History records that Christ's words accurately depicted what was to befall those early saints. As James O. Baird has noted, in actuality, Christianity was opposed more vigorously than any other religion in the long history of Rome. Persecution against the church was and is rooted in the nature and work of Christ. The world hated Christ because of the judgment he brought against what the world is, does, and loves. It will hate those in the church who remind it by word and deed of this judgment. Jesus lamented, if the world hateth you, ye know that it hath hated me before it hated you. Hatred often results in persecution. The church if true to its mission, will be opposed. But Jesus also said, Blessed are ye when men shall reproach you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. The next question for us to consider this evening, where do your affections lie? Since the world hates those who reprove the world's evil works, all of us are forced to make a choice. Do we desire the world's affection, or do we desire God's favor? One cannot seek both. From James chapter 4, verse 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God, meaning opposition. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of not only can one not seek both, one cannot have both. The Apostle Paul says, If I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ in Galatians 1 verse 10. Whether we desire the world's affection or God's favor hinges upon where our affections lie. And where our affections lie, where our allegiances lie, will ultimately determine where our eternal destiny is will lie. There's no doubt as to where Jesus' affection lay. <coughs> Excuse me. While he had compassion on the multitudes of lost humanity and always sought their good, Matthew 9:36, his loyalty ultimately was to the Father and to the truth, John chapter 8 verses 28 and 29. 
The Pharisees and the Herodians were trying to deceive Christ through flattery, but certainly spoke truth when they said in Matthew 22, verse 16, Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Yet in the religious world, and even in the Lord's church, there's an increasing regard for the persons of men over the will of God. Church's efforts are largely now directed towards offering financial peace seminars or music shows or Christian bands or erecting gymnasiums and providing social functions to attract people rather than toward pricking sin laden hearts with truth. Some churches now actually pull their neighborhood to what they would like in a church and give them what they want regardless of whether or not what they want according to biblical and scriptural truth. Contrast this approach with that of our Lord, who apparently never read Rick Warren's purpose-driven church, intended to bend the church of the Lord and the purpose and mission of the church to the will of the world. If our affections lie with the Lord, pleasing men cannot be our primary goal. Luke chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus told the highly esteemed Pharisees, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. If we are seeking to please men, it will compromise our purity and our truthfulness. 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 through 6. As Jesus warned in Luke 6, verse 26, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. And are we strangers and pilgrims in the world? Hebrews 11:13. Those who are not at home in the true church will be at home in the world around them. Those who are not at home in the world will be at home in the true church and in heaven. Do we savor the things of God or of men? Matthew 16, verse 23. That is, do we insist upon the hard truth, or do we rather choose the easy way, avoiding persecution and the reproach of men? To his apostles, Jesus gave this warning and an assurance which would res- should resound for all of us today. Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. In conclusion tonight, Jesus obviously gave his brothers a remarkable rebuke when he told them the world cannot hate you. However, this was directly related to his brother's lack of faith in him. After his resurrection, we know that at least some of them believed in him, according to Acts 1, verse 14, and James chapter 1, verse 1. So, was the world later able to hate Jesus' brothers? Read the book of Jude. Its firm stand against sin and false doctrine could never be palatable to the world, and according to Flavius Josephus, Jesus' brother James was later stoned to death for carrying on with establishing the first century church after the of Jesus. The world could not hate them when they lacked faith and were of the world, but that certainly changed once they gained faith. They did become enemies of the world. The following citation is from H.C. Phillips in the January 1973 issue of Searching the Scriptures, and I'd like to close tonight with this consideration. Quote, Jesus said that his disciples would be hated by the world, John 15, 18, and 19. 
In fact, he taught them that if the world loved them, they would be of the world because the world would love its own. But because you are not of the word, but I have chosen you out of the world because the world hateth you. James said, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. If one has difficulty defining what the world is in these passages, John makes it plain. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Everyone is of the world who is not in Christ and not walking in the light. 1 John 1, verse 7. Demas, once a fellow worker with Paul, hath forsaken me, having loved this present world in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, end quote. Again, the hatred of the world is not a goal for which one should ever seek. Neither God the Father nor Jesus ever desired to be hated by the world. Jesus didn't go out each morning thinking, I'm going to make the world hate me. That's my goal for the day. By reproving the world's sin, the world's hatred was assured, and it was inevitable. So tonight, if your affections lie with the Lord in a life of obedience to him, the world's hatred is nothing to fear, as the Lord's favor is assured. As he said in John 15, verse 18, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. One final citation I would like for us to share and consider tonight, this is from McLaren's exposition on sheep among wolves. Let's read this together. Quote, if we share Christ's life, we must necessarily in some measure share his fate. It is the typical example of what the world thinks of and does to goodness. And all who have the spirit of life which was in Jesus Christ for the animating principle of their lives will, just in the measure in which they possess it, come under the same influences which carried him to the cross. In a world like this, it is impossible for a man to love righteousness and hate iniquity and to order his life accordingly without treading on someone's corns, being a rebuke to the opposite course of conduct, either interfering with men's self-complacency or with their interests. From the beginning, the blind world has repaid goodness by antagonism and contempt, end quote. So tonight, the question for all of us, where do your allegiances lie? Do they lie with the infallible word of God or with the tepid and treacherous world outside that each of us deal with each day? Are you molded by Jesus Christ or are you molded by worldly desires and wants and greed and lust? If you're a Christian, you can know with certainty that you will be tested and you can know with certainty that the world will reject you are you prepared for that day is your faith and is your devotion strong enough to withstand the assaults of satan we are to gird up our loins first peter 1 verse 13 we are to take up the cross luke 9:23 and we are to prepare for battle against a world which is by and large not only opposed to jesus christ but which despises and mocks jesus christ Tonight, are you strong enough to withstand that testing of your Christian faith? Will you falter? 
Will you stand resolute for Jesus, or will the rejection and ridicule by the world push you in timidity to the wayside? If the pummeling of the world has broken you or has caused you to stumble, we invite each and every listener here to feel free to contact us. We have men here who are more than willing to support, to pray for, to study with listeners who are enduring temptation or being lukewarm or any sort of stumbling block which may appear in their lives. We know from Scripture, from Romans 3.23, that all have sinned. We know that all have fallen short of the glory of God. And likewise, we know from Scripture that we can all repent from those sins, we can repent from those failings, and we can receive forgiveness through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for being with us this evening. God bless you, and we certainly hope that, as always, this segment has been beneficial. Have a good night. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific need. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. I'd like to apologize for that delay. My controls were sticking here. These are the announcements for the events and activities in the Churches of Christ. If you'd like to con- have your events and activities announced on this radio broadcast, just contact me at Stevie B's Me Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6401. I'll send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Virus pandemic outbreak. I will not be making any public announcements until further notice regarding public meetings or assemblies, but I will be making announcements about the events and activities that are happening here on social media. I do have one announcement. It's the local congregation here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, the Helen Street Church of Christ. They are meeting now in their building, and they are having the simultaneous worship there on Zoom as well on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, and they will be having Bible study immediately after their worship services. They also meet on Wednesday night via Zoom. On Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there will be a nationwide gospel call that's sponsored by the Church of Christ in Highland Heights from Houston, Texas. And the telephone number to this call is 857-216-6700. And the access code is 328-497. This is a nationwide outreach to those who are not members of the Church of Christ. And the speakers will be presenting a basic salvation message for them to learn what they must do in order to be saved, as well as information regarding the churches of Christ. In addition, it's intended to edify and strengthen the faith of those who are Christians. On Tuesday evening at 6.30 
p.m. Central Standard Time, the Delcrest Church of Christ in San Antonio, Texas, presents the Women's Virtual Bible Class. And that class will be held on www.zoom.com. The class ID number is 821-3692-8262. At 6.30 daily, at 6.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, the Ladies in Christ Prayer Line is hosted by the Church of Christ from Lafayette, Louisiana. And the telephone number to this prayer line is 605-472-5203. My co-host Steve Cordell here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. He has a new book entitled God Gracing You. And if you'd like to order this book, just order this book from the 21st Century Christian Catalog. There'll be a spring-summer series that's currently going on every fourth Wednesday of the month. At 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there'll be a preacher's panel discussion. Join Minister Michael Crusoe as he moderates a series of discussions featuring seasoned preachers from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ. And the topic under discussion is expanding the role of women in Christian worship, a word from the Lord. And this fall on August the 31st, Stevie Beat Me Production presents we're airing a live show a new show the kelly fletcher show that'll be a part of the show that airs on tuesday night what a word from the lord here on blog talk radio and this show will air every fourth tuesday of the month and just a program reminder stevie b's me production presents we're airing live shows here on blog talk radio the number to the live show is 713-955-0508. Or type in your search bar, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. On Tuesday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. And each week on this broadcast, we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ. We'll be presenting a lesson from the Word of God. Also, we have the Community Corner segment. That segment is designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs. We have products and services for our communities. Also, I have three co-hosts on that show. Lou Gilbert, he serves as the evangelist for the Oakbrook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And my newest co-host, Shauna Otis, she's with the Greyway Church of Christ there in Nashville, Tennessee. And her team is the Mid-Tennessee Singles Ministry. And they'll be on the air every third Tuesday of the month. And also my newest co-host, Ison Mullins, he serves at the Helen Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Then on Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And on this broadcast, I have eight co-hosts on this show who will be presenting messages from the Word of God, just like the lesson you heard on the show tonight. And also I have uh, two of my co-hosts to be on the air with me each week. And I'll have also, I'll be taking a question from my social media platform on Facebook called Shout It Out that I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on this live show. And on Friday night at our new time from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, Stevie B's Acapella Gospel Music Blast Radio Show. And on this broadcast, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, The Sweet Sounds of voices on this friday night there will be no show scheduled for this friday night but on august the 6th my special guest in the story glory segment will be clarence holmes from decatur alabama and then on august the 13th my special guest on that show will be divine experience from 
St. Petersburg, Florida, I do believe. They are from Central Florida. We'll, we'll be debuting some new music from that group on that broadcast. And then on August the 27th, my special guest will be Irvin C. Jackson from Wesley Chapel, Florida. We'll be debuting some new music from Irvin on that broadcast as well. And on August the 17th, I do believe that's the third uh, Friday of the month. I need to check that date. But we'll be doing my top 20 countdown show for the month of August. Now, my on-demand episodes, ladies and gentlemen, if you cannot catch any of these live shows, you can always go to my on-demand episodes, wherever you're getting your favorite podcast from, and just pull up these shows. Just type in your search bar under the podcast heading, Stevie B Media Production, and you'll see all of the shows that we're producing here on a weekly basis. Go to some of the major ones I always like to announce on this broadcast, Spotify, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and YouTube, just to name a few. I have a new sponsorship manager. Her name is Michelle Marco. If you'd like to be a sponsor for any of these radio shows, you can just contact her at 954-687-4705. Also, I'd like to give a shout-out to all of my sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. Sharon Norwood, she lives in Chicago, Illinois, Bethesda Memorial. Criminal Director of Crematory Services out of DeSoto, Texas. Stanley Phillips from Little Rock, Arkansas. Cheryl Murrah from Charlotte, North Carolina. Yvonne Blazing Cracker Gooch from Nashville, Tennessee. Melvin Jackson from High Point, North Carolina. Marquise Holmes from Charlotte, North Carolina. Stephanie Booker Wilson from Greensboro, North Carolina. And Diversified Financial Network, LLC from Dallas, Texas. The is Mark Charlotte Carroll. And Ordain Fake Publishing out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The three E's of Stephen B's media production it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate. We want to edify. We want to encourage you in a study of God's word. And that will conclude our program announcements. The shout it out question is up next. Stay tuned for the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Yes, sir.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the part of the broadcast where I have a question for one of my co-hosts here on this show. And I want to encourage our listeners to get involved in that group on Facebook that's called Shout It Out. This is where I'm taking these questions from that I'm posing to my co-host on the broadcast. Now, my co-host that will be answering our question this evening is Dr. Frank Washington. He's from the West Broward Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. Doc, how you doing? <laughs> Man, I'm trying to stay in God's grip and stay out of this rain. I know that's right. Well, I have a doozy for hey, you on the broadcast. Huh? How, how is my audio coming along? Is it coming out okay? Yeah, you sound just fine. Oh, okay. All right. Let's All get right. to the question. Okay, here's the All question. Right. This question is from an anonymous querist from the state of North Carolina. And the question is, if Luke was not an apostle, how can we know that his writings are true? What say you to this question? Well, I uh, want to thank that uh, writer from North Carolina, that listener. Um, that's a really good question. And when I first read that question, I, was, I, I began to think, uh, how many apostles wrote books of the Bible who were not apostles or how many individuals in the, in the, in the, in the Bible were not apostles. And there are a few, but to answer this question, I, I need to, first of all, let you know that there are a lot of criticisms and arguments uh, surrounding the book of Luke and whether or not Luke is the author uh, or the authorship of the third gospel and acts of the apostles. Now, the text does not identify the authorship of this book. Like when you read First Peter, he he's, we know that it's Peter writing that book. Or when Paul writes to the Corinthians, I, Paul, Paul identifies himself as the author of uh, the letter that he is writing uh, to any of the churches uh, during that time period. Therefore, the book is an anonymous book. You could see it as an anonymous book. But what I'm going to do today is I'm going to make sure that we understand uh, through external and internal evidences um, how we can find out and know that this is uh, the word of God. But we also have to understand that the text does not identify the author uh, of this book. And we need to be careful, uh, brothers and sisters, we, we should be very careful on placing tradition above the text and, and making it in, 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 in errant. Uh, so be careful how we try to make or place tradition above what the text uh, says. So having said that, let's move on to answer this question. Let's first of all start off by saying or asking who was Luke? Uh, who was Luke? Well, Luke was a physician by profession. If you look in Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 14, we find uh, that the Bible tells us that he is a physician uh, by profession. Luke also was not among the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, Luke trusted in Jesus, and Luke 
became a follower of Jesus, and he began to accompany the apostle Paul. So when you ask the question, you know, since he was not an apostle, uh, you know, is, is, is he valid? Well, the answer to that question is yes, he is valid. However, no, he did not. Um, he is not and was not considered an apostle of Jesus Christ. But Luke trusted in Jesus and became and began uh, to accompany the apostle Paul on his missionary uh, journeys. And uh, if you look at, at, at uh, near the end of Paul's life, uh, all those other men who followed Paul, and there were several men who followed Paul, near the end of his life, Paul said, only Luke is with me, and that's profound. Uh, but, yes, Luke in Jesus. Luke considered himself a second-generation Christian, uh, who was not, per- although he was not personally involved in uh, the ministry of Jesus. But on the other hand, he had contact with those who, uh, from the first, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Now, his narrative or native tongue or his ethnicity was the, as a uh, Hellenistic Greek. He also, we want to also describe him as uh, an investigative reporter. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 1 and verse number 3, Luke says, carefully, he carefully investigated everything from the beginning. So Luke is seen as and historian, uh, he, he put great detail into writing uh, the book of Luke and the book of Acts of the Apostles. So let's look at uh, the external evidence described in the early church. Now, neither Luke nor Acts names the author of these two volumes, Luke and Acts, but information from these books and from the text, as well as external and internal evidences, historical and otherwise, can help us determine uh, the author and uh, his background. So let's go. Number one, point number one, the author, Luke, is not an eyewitness to all the events he described on the external evidence. He's not an eyewitness uh, to the Christ events. He's not an eyewitness uh, to Jesus feeding the 5,000. He's not an eyewitness to all the things that maybe Matthew uh, and Mark uh, were eyewitnesses to during that time period. But on the other hand, Luke is an eyewitness of some of the events, not all, that occurred in Acts of the Apostles. Now, I'm, I'm sure I'm probably hearing some of you say, why do you keep saying Acts of the Apostles? Well, that's the title of the book, Acts of the Apostle. It's not just simply Acts, it is Acts of the Apostle, and that's just for you to know. So Luke is an eyewitness of some of the events in Acts. He is a companion of Paul in the we section uh, of the Acts of the Apostles. If you look at in uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 10 through 17, Acts chapter 20, verse 5 through 15, uh, 20, Acts 21, verse 1 through 18, Acts 27, verse number 1, Acts 28, verse 16. Uh, um, Luke puts a we section. In essence, he's saying we are 
uh, doing some things. And so this gives us external evidence to say that Luke was the writer of the book of Luke and certain sections uh, of uh, Acts of the Apostles. But some scholars, however, uh, question whether the we sections uh, indicate authorship. But my point of view and my study uh, tells me that Luke is uh, the author uh, of the book of Luke and, uh, and the book of Acts. Uh, but the early church tradition uh, has consistently uh, named Luke as the author of Luke and uh, the book of Acts. Uh, that's Justin, that's uh, Tertullian, and that's Irenaeus. Uh, all of these individuals named Luke uh, as the author. Uh, Luke wrote to the Gentile audience, uh, whereas Matthew and Mark wrote to uh, the Jewish audience. So these are our external evidences from the early church that lets us know uh, that this book uh, was written by Luke, and it doesn't have to be uh, necessarily a, um, uh, uh, a disciple uh, of Jesus Christ. Now, let's turn to the internal evidence. Let's look at the internal evidence. The internal evidence tells us that the common authorship of Luke and Acts belongs to Luke. But the most important um, internal evidence uh, can be taken from his use of the first person plural, we. If we examine the many times uh, Luke mentions the word we in that book, you'll find once you eliminate all of the other individuals mentioned in there, there's only one person uh, that's left in that internal evidence uh, during that we section that uh, lets us know that Luke uh, is, the, uh, is, is the author uh, speaking in that text. Uh, one, of the other, uh, one of the other evidences that we can find in the internal evidence uh, regarding Luke is his vocabulary. As we said earlier, Luke uh, is a was a physician, and so he used many medical terms. And one of the medical terms that he used and and understood greatly was the one in eight Luke chapter eight and verse number forty three, where he says the woman uh, who had a hemorrhage. He understood what a hemorrhage uh, was. So uh, many times when we read uh, the the book of Luke, we want to look for the medical terms because he was the only uh, follower of Jesus Christ who had the ability to understand uh, and speak about uh, medical, uh, medical terms. And so let's, let's move to the, the next point. The next point of the question was, uh, can, his, can his writings or Luke's writings be considered the truth? Well, the answer to that question is yes. I mean, can we um, uh, preach Luke? Yes. We can preach Luke, and we do preach Luke as the truth, as it is written, and because Luke is 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 he, he lays the foundation uh, for the message of redemption. If you look at the book of Luke, he lays the foundation like no other gospel uh, synoptic gospel writer. He lays the foundation uh, for the message of redemption. Luke lays the foundation more than that. Luke tells the story. He tells us a story in a seeker-friendly type of way. He starts with descriptions of Jesus that reveal him to be a teacher, that reveals him to be a prophet and king. And all these categories 
we we understand or we should uh, understand. And saying that, we the, the only story, the, the only, he is the only uh, individual, only gospel, synoptic gospel writer. The story progresses, deepens, go, because it is the story of Jesus. Only the story progresses and deepens does it become obvious that Jesus is more than any of these uh, categories. So hearing or reading the story one step at a time, Jesus as it was written. This allows a person to go gradually in his or her understanding and appreciation of Jesus. But too often we try to tell the story. When we try to talk to people about Jesus Christ, we give them too much information. But if you look at the book of Luke, in the book of Luke, he tells us, he tells us gently, he takes us on a journey, one step at a time. So when we consider Jesus in the book of Luke, we consider his work. We get a fresh perspective on Jesus' death. When we consider Jesus, uh, we consider his miracles. We see the victor in a cosmic struggle. If Jesus cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come in its initial form as evidence that Satan is and can be uh, overpowered. So when we consider Jesus in his work, in his miracles, we also consider Jesus in his teaching. This is what Luke does. He paints a picture. We see Jesus in his most ethical and concrete, shows how to love God through trust patience, perseverance. And Luke shows us how uh, disciples love their neighbors through compassion uh, and through service. And more than any other gospel writer, Luke puts working gloves on disciples as he paints that portrait uh, of the call of God. Luke is the gospel that reveals the heart and mind of Jesus. It's here that we see how God cares for the sinner, the poor, and the despised, the one the text calls tax collectors and sinners. Luke is the one who reveals how God cares for people who normally despise each other. Luke is the one here who sets the table for the message of reconciliation and the possibility of healthy relationships, even across ethnic lines, even across racial lines. Luke is the one that sets the tone. He sets the tone. That should be the result of a response to the gospel. Here we can see that Jesus relating to a healthy way, in a healthy way, with those of different genders, valuing the contribution uh, to the work of God. So the believers want to know what God would have us do in forming relationships and values Then the book of Luke is a beautiful port of entry uh, for reflecting uh, that pause. So when you want to know if Luke can be trusted or Luke can, is speaking the truth, absolutely 100%. Because when we consider how persons can come to know God and the gospel, we can see how Jesus is the key figure in the plan of salvation. And the only place you're going to find that is going to be uh, in the gospel of Luke. Can, uh, can Luke's writing be trusted? Yes, it can. 
even though he was not an apostle. Luke's writing is trusted. Now, I've just provided just a few summary points of the external and internal evidences that point uh, to the Lucan authorship of the third gospel and Acts of the Apostle. And so having said that, what's important uh, for our caller, uh, what's important, what's most important, is that uh, he understand, and anyone who's listening, that uh, we should believe and trust that what the New Testament teaches is the truth. The text doesn't tell us who the author is, but that shouldn't and that doesn't affect our Christian overview, overall the view of Scripture. The Bible teaches all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Well, I hope this lesson helped. Uh, This was a very good question by our North Carolina listener. We thank him for uh, submitting that question. And finally, I want to say, stay in God's grip. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. 
give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host Clay Phillips and his subject, Living with a Difficult Boss. Good evening. It is always a privilege to be able to proclaim God's unadulterated truths. I truly enjoyed Tim Bench. I want to thank you for that marvelous job, that powerful message you did, and also Dr. Washington, as he always does a great job in answering the question and also speaking. And so we are so thankful for Steve for allowing us to be able to help uh, spread God's truths. Now, my subject is um, living with a difficult boss, living with a difficult boss. It's going to take me probably two uh, sermons to complete this particular message. And so you all bear with me as we deal with uh, the difficulty of working for a boss that is difficult. Amen? And so as we live in this life, we must understand God expects certain things out of us. So now if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the first uh, epistle of Peter. First Peter chapter 2. I want to commence reading at verse 18 and terminate at verse 25. That's first Peter chapter 2 verse 18 through 25. And we find these words written. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. Now, what is the forward? The word forward here means harsh, <laughs> difficult boss, if you will. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscious towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it? If when ye be buffered for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with who? With God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, my, 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 neither was God found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteousness, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes, oh my goodness, ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but as now return unto the shepherd and the bishop of your soul. 
pray with me. Even now, Father God, bless your word, bless your hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, before I can really get into the difficulties of having a boss, uh, I have experienced myself in coming up in South Georgia, uh, working in watermelons and tobacco and uh, working in the cotton field. Oh, yes. I'm one that have seen hard work. Uh, my mother and my father my, uh, working hard, and I've seen how they treated I remember I, one time I was working for my dad had gotten a job with this couple, and they uh, treat the dog better than they treated me. And I had to eat outside. I had to work hard. And I endured all of that fire because I was raised. Woo! See, my grandfather was an elder. My dad was a deacon. Raised in the Lord's church. And, and they taught us to be mindful and be respectful. To say, yes, sir. And no, sir. They were respectful and, and taught, yes, sir, no, sir. You ought to be able. Why? Because they taught us the word of God. And so here we find a very powerful lesson on today. And so like I said, now I'm not going to be able to finish this. Y'all bear with me. Bear with me. Let me introduce this thing to us today. First of all, we need to understand we're living in enemy territory. The first thing we need to come to grip with is that this word is not our home. We're just passing through. Because you back up now to verse 11 of 1 Peter, the text we read, verse 18. Now back up to verse 11. It tells us, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from flesh and lust with war against the soul. So the first thing we need to understand and come to a grip with is, is the reason why we can be able to live with a difficult boss and do things that other people would not do is because we understand, hey, we're just passing through. This is not my home. Come here to me. Come to me. Let me help you out here. Uh, the enemy is constantly, listen to me now, the enemy is constantly watching us, because now if you turn over to chapter 5 of 1 Peter, chapter 5, and the verse is number 8, turn over to chapter 5, verse number 8, it says, be sober. First of all, you need to understand that your mind needs to be protected, the helmet of salvation. Your mind needs to be understand. That be sober. That's why God does not want us to become addicted to alcohol and drugs, because you can't be sober. He said, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom we may devour. We need to understand that. So we, first of all, God wants us to get our whole mentality, our attitude together. It says, the devil, as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in faith, knowing that the same affliction are accomplished in your brothers that are in the world. In other words, we're not the only one going through this here. Hebrews said there's a great cloud of witnesses. My daddy, my mama, my grandfather, my great grandfather, all of us 
have somebody that's going through some terrible boss, if you will. They're going through some terrible ideas. But notice in verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, But the God of all grace, who have called us unto eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered a while. <laughs> Look at God working here. Make you, now, the four aspects is it. It said, number one, make you perfect. The word perfect means mature. Establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. In other words, when you suffer, there is a benefit behind this. So understand, number one, that we need to understand that the enemy is constantly watching us and trying to go after us. It, it is looking for opportunity to move in and take over. You remember when Jesus Christ fasted 40 days and 40 nights. You remember the story. And the Bible says that the devil came and tempted him. And three times, uh, Jesus said, get to him, say, get behind me. But you know, one thing I want to notice here, uh, turn to John uh, chapter 17, and the verse is number 21. I want to show you something here. John 17, uh, Luke, uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verse 13. Then we'll come back to John 17. Oh, you got to see this here. Luke chapter 4 and the verse is number 13. Notice what the Bible says, Luke chapter 4, verse number 13. It says here, and when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him. Come out Christ. Notice what it says. For a season. So we need to understand that the devil is not going to give up now just because you win the battle or two. Uh, because the devil, he's going to win some battles. But at the same time, the war belongs to God. Tell me God ain't good. And so we need to understand that here we must understand that Jesus Christ prayed for us, prayed for his disciples. He said, God, Father, in John chapter 17, verse 21, he said, Father, don't take them out of the world. <laughs> I, I wish you to pray, God, take them out. Now, soon I became a Christian. Take me on to heaven. But he said, no, don't take them out of the world. But what I want you to do, though, I want you to protect them. I want you to look out for them. I want you to be mindful of them. And, and the Bible says that Jesus prayed. Now, that John 17 is Jesus' prayer. And Jesus prayed that we may have dominion over our adversary. And so the grace and the mercy of God, what can it do for us today? The word of God helps us how? By, now listen, listen, listen. How the word of God help us? By living as servants of God. In other words, we must understand that we must understand we must live by serving God. So now in our text, when I read verse 18 of 1 Peter chapter 2, it says servants. So here Peter already come to understanding, a rational understanding that you understand that we are servants of the Lord. So he come to a, a realization and he addresses, listen, you are servants of the Lord. In other words, Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Why? Because I am a servant. The simple the central part of Peter's letter, First Peter and Second Peter, 
deal with, now listen to this, deal with and emphasize submission. So when Peter deals with his whole lesson, it deals with submission. The word sub, we get our word submarine to be under. The word mission here also means to administrate. Submission means to submit to administration. Uh, and I also like the, uh, the Hebrew word that means trade, I of buying and selling. So when you look at the emphasis of submission, it is the act of assignment or trading or buying. So here, God expects us to submit. Woo, God Almighty. God expects us to submit to man, to his boss, to whatever he has organized. So God expects us as servants. Now, I'm going to get to the definition of servant as Biblically, exegetically taught, other than what we experience in American history, there's a differentiation as servant or master or slave in the text of America over and against in the biblical text. And I'm going to get to that eventually, but not right now. But I need to understand that, first of all, we need to learn to expect that some administrate, submit, or sub to the administration. Now, now this is a tough topic in our time, in living what we're living with, and dealing what we're dealing with in our time. This, in this day of lawlessness, whoo, good God Almighty, tell me we don't have a lawlessness country now. Man, it's been prophesied. So I don't, don't be surprised because people are acting like they can't understand and differentiate from that which is good. And that the Bible says, let the Bible speak, Brother Philip. Let the Bible speak. It's sad that they was going to come, they were going to call Ebel good, good Ebel. Yeah, the Bible speak, Brother Philip. So we live in a lawlessness world, a lawless world that don't have no recollection. They have forgotten about God. Not only that, they, they, they have a desire for the quest for personal fulfillment. That is why we're struggling with the pandemic today, because most people are having a breakdown. Good God Almighty. So let the Bible speak. They're having a breakdown because of they have uh, forgotten the importance of self-administrate to God. So when you look here, and Peter said, he says, servant, be subject to your master. So here, here, he deal with, Peter applies the theme of submission, self-administrate to the life of the believer. Now, in four homiletics he deal with. So that's why I told you I know I'm not going to be able to deal with all of this today because I don't have about 15 more minutes left as it's sweet. But there are four homiletics we need to get to your attention. Not be able to deal with them right now, but get to your attention. Number one, Peter expects us, 
those of us that are children of God as be as citizens of the kingdom of God, he deal with want us to learn to submit. <laughs> Notice in First Peter chapter two, verse eleven to seventeen, talking about as a citizen. Peter expect us as a citizen to submit to the laws of the land. Not only does he want us to submit as a, as a citizen, and then out of text, verse 18 through verse 25, he wants us as workers to submit to our boss. <laughs> Let the Bible speak, Brother Philip. And that's found in First Peter chapter 2, verse 18 to 25. And then he also wants us as married partners want us to submit uh, in the marriage partner, in the marriage that God has uh, implemented in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 17. And then uh, he wants us as members of the body of Christ, of the church of Christ, the church that Jesus built. He, Peter is telling us, I, you need to be, a member, if you're going to be a member, you have to, as a member of the church, submit. First <laughs> Peter chapter 3, verse uh, 8 through verse 12. So now, so we look at submission. Uh, submission here does not mean, listen, uh, slavery as we know it in America. It does not mean slavery as we know it in America. This this was a totally different kind of submission or slavery. And we will show you to even that. If you had a hard slave master, uh, we will show you what the Bible says that if you could be free, you ought to seek out freedom. And so because of the harshness of so we live those of us that are African America today have lived uh, in a society that have been, had, for 200 and some years, had had slaves that we need to be mindful of, that I'm going to get to and show you that God, even at that, God wants us to be submission, su submit to our evil boss. Hello? What you saying, Brother Philip? No, no, he's not telling us not to seek freedom. What it's telling us here is that you learn to submit to whatever is going on until, because God said, in the totality of it, God worked it out when Israel was in Egypt. God sent Pharaoh to harm them. Then God sent Moses to free them. So God said, I work this thing out. God established, listen, listen. God established the home, God established the government, and God established church. And he has the right to tell us how we ought to rest and to do his will. Before we can exorcise, listen now, listen. Before we can exorcise authority, we must be under authority. The problem with America is that they, they say that we are under God. 
in God we trust, but then we don't trust God. Why? Because God does not tell us to treat one another like we're treating one another. That's not God. That's the devil. Satan, after all, is going after us. Satan offered our first parents. Don't you know all of us came from Adam and Eve? <laughs> and and Adam and Eve, our first parents, lost their freedom. Why? Because they didn't want authority over them. There are, uh, listen to me, listen, listen. There are three excellent motivating factors of submission that Peter deal with in our lesson for tonight. Like I said, now I'm not going to be able to deal with all of these tonight, uh, the homeless, but let me look at the motivating factor, then I'm going to let this message be yours. The first one, the motivating factor of being able to live with a difficult boss, number one is for the sake of the laws. The reason why I dealt and observed and worked with difficult people is not because of me all the time. It was oftentimes for the sake of the laws. Because listen, listen, you ought to want even your boss. Whoa, sad preacher. Let the Bible speak. You ought to want your boss to be saved, regardless of whoever it is. John 3.16, for God showed up the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You remember it was Stephen that said those same words, that Jesus said, forgive them. The Bible said they rushed upon him, they bit him, and they were after him because he preached Jesus. That's the reason why people ought to hit us. Not because we're late, colored people. Not because we're stealing. Not because we're looting. But because we want people to be saved. So the first thing, the first excellent motivation for submitting to a boss that is mean-spirited is, number one, for the sake of of the laws. Number two, for the Lord's sake. And then number three, for our sake. <laughs> That's all right. Now, let's look now. It's weird. It's weird. Uh, at verse 11. Let's, let's back up to verse 11 of 1 Peter chapter 2. As, as a citizen, as a citizen, we must understand, as a Christian, we must consider, listen now, listen, listen, we must consider <clears throat> and remind ourselves, I know I do, because there's sometimes I, I, I want to strike back, but sometimes I, I don't have to turn this. Come here, come here. You, you know you get like me, so sometimes I'm going to get them. I remember when I was a young preacher. And Deacon Glenn was mourning the churchyard, and I walked in the church building and walked back out. And he knew, he recognized that there was a something about Brother Philip Face that said that I need to talk to him. And he and he came up to me, and Brother Glenn said, Brother Philip, you okay? I said, no, I'm going to go bust some lips. 
<laughs> you brought Philip? Yes. But again, said, no, 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 brother Philip, calm down. What's wrong? I said, this job, I'm tired of folks treating me all kind of way. I don't have to be treated like that. And brother Vince, come on back in the church, Bill, let me talk to you, because I don't want to get you out of jail. Because I was going to jail. I was messed up. And so over the years, that was, I've been over 30, uh, at least 35, I'm here 38 years as a preacher. I mean, over 35 years ago. And I'm telling you, we all have experienced some bosses that we want to go off. <laughs> I know I do. I want to go off sometimes. And, and so here we find that as Peter is telling us, he wants us to understand, first of all, for the lost sake. So let's look at for the lost sake for the next 10 minutes. <clears throat> for the lost sake. In other words, as a Christian, we must consider and remind ourselves oftentimes, let me say that again, who we are. We need to remind ourselves who we are. We need to talk to one another. And then oftentimes, uh, the elder Tillman and the elder Powell, they'll call me up and they'll be frustrated and they don't want to take this stuff. And I have to remind those boys, these guys, but we're not boys anymore, we old men now. Remind us, listen. The Bible says, let the Bible speak for the Philip. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from flesh and lust which war against the soul. We need to understand this there's a bigger battle going on than what we see. It's not about skin color, it's sin color. It says, Dearly beloved, eight times, listen. Eight times Peter reminded his readers of God's love for them. And see, what we need to understand is we as Christians have to remind ourselves and continue to remind ourselves about God's love for us. For you remember now, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then the late verse said, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. See, that's what we got to remind ourselves. We are not here to condemn the world. We're here to tell the world, listen, God loves you. Good call him by Teach it, Brother Philip. Let the Bible speak. Let me show you eight times in the text, in First and Second Peter. Peter addresses the love of God for us. And let me read these verses. And I, I got to take the time because I got to come back to this lesson. Notice now in chapter two of First Peter, chapter two and the verses number eleven. That's what we just read. Know what it says? Dearly beloved. The word beloved here means being loved. So Peter is telling the reader, listen, you are being loved. The reason why I want you to understand this. He says, I beseech you. I know you love being loved. Turn to chapter 4. Chapter 4 of First Peter. Chapter 4 and the verses number 12. Know what it says in verse 1, verse 12. Chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, it <laughs> is not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as some strange things happen unto you. 
So here Peter says, in verse number 11, he says, beloved. Then in verse 12 of chapter 4, he says, beloved, don't you know? He says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials. Then you turn over to 2 Peter, turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 7. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. Know what it says. Then he, he give us the addition. The word, he says, add to your faith. But notice in verse number 7. And he says, and to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness. What you add, Brother Phillips? Love. Woo. Love, charity. Not only that, not only that. Turn to chapter 3. Turn to chapter 3. Uh-uh. 2 Peter. Chapter 3 and the verses number 1. Know what it says. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure mind by way of remembering. Remember what God has done for us, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Isaiah 53. Who shall believe our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall go up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a ground. He had no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty. We despise and reject the men. Man shall acquaint with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He is despised and esteemed of not stricken, smitten of God, wounded for our transgression. Who does God Almighty? Let the Bible speak for the Phillips. Good God Almighty. This says, not only in verse 1, uh, first verse says, and this second epistle, beloved, I write, I now write unto you in both which to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Then drop down to verse number 8 of the same chapter. It says, but beloved, what? Beloved, be not ignorant. Of this one thing. Notice what it says to now. Be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day. Is with the Lord. As a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. Which about. If I'm 62. God, I'm hoping I can see. At least, at least get to 70. The Bible says three scores and ten. In my reason of hope. We can live again. Uh, 80, oh my goodness, or 72, like he this. And listen to what the Bible says. He said, God loved us so much. He has, we have hope. We have another home, not built with man's hands. Don't get caught up in this world. Notice what it said. Let me read it again to you then. You all think I want to hear it. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. But notice what it says, what is encouraging. This is what is encouraging to me. Notice what it says. The Lord is not slight concerning his promises. As some men count slightness, I know our presidents let us down. I know our Congress let us down. I know our citizens let us down. I know people in the world let us down. But God. Will not let us down. Good God Almighty. Let the Bible speak, Brother Philip. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as men count slightness, but his long suffering 
to us, in other words, God will give you a chance to get yourself together. In other words, you keep on, you got your boss ain't treating you right, you keep on coming to work on time. Your boss ain't treating you right, you keep on working hard. If your boss ain't treating you right, don't be looking at the clock with time to go. Keep on working. Let him tell you, you need to get out of the car. He ain't getting paid. Let him tell you that. Woo, good God Almighty. Not willing that any man should perish. Not any man should perish, but that all, but that all should come to repentance. Then he warned us, the day of the Lord is a thief in the night. There's a thief in the night. Not only that, not only that, I got to read. I told you I'm going to have to be able to finish this time. I'm just getting started good. Beloved, then, then notice now, drop down to verse number 14 of Second Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, there it is again. Therefore, beloved, what message you want to tell us? Peter, seeing, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot or blame. In other words, he said, listen, I want you to understand is you need to understand, beloved, you need to understand this, beloved, saying that you look for such things. In other words, you ought to be looking like Moses. Moses looked for a greater home. Abraham looked for a greater place. All through the Bible, Old Testament, they looked for the promised land. And our promised land, good call of mine. Tell it, Brother Phillips. Let the Bible speak, Brother Phillips. Now, that drop down to verse 15. Account that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, have written unto you. <laughs> even Paul, you know how Paul was? <laughs> Paul. And then in verse 17, drop down to verse 17, the eighth one, it says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked. Let me tell you something. Don't get caught up with the wicked now. Stop eluding. It's all right to protest, protest peacefully, nonviolent. Don't start looting and stealing. I don't care how you put it, stealing is stealing, looting is looting. Can I get a witness? For your own steadfastness. Oh, my goodness. Listen, listen. Let me say this. Let me say this. And let me conclude with this. I'm not going to finish. I'm going to conclude. Just stop. I'm going to pick up next time right here with uh, ending up with beloved. Now, let me, let, me, let me help us. Let me say this. This is, this is, this is deep. This, come here. Come here. Come here. This is powerful. Let me help you. In our own selves, there is nothing 
Let me say that now. In our own selves, there is nothing that God is pleased with. There's nothing that God, when God see me, there's nothing that he's pleased with. When God see you, there's nothing that he's pleased with. The only time God is pleased, we have to back up to 2 Peter, read in 2 Peter, back up to chapter 1 in the verse 17. Why is God pleased with us? See, the reason why you'll be living, you should be able to live with a difficult boss is because God is pleased only. Why? But look at verse 17 of first, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 17. For he received from God, talking about Jesus Christ, the Father, honor, and glory, when there came such a voice from heaven, and the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Who, the only reason God looked at us and pleased is because Jesus Christ. Let me, let me show you another scripture. I got to show you another scripture. Uh, uh, I, got, I got to show you another scripture. Oh, my goodness. You, oh, man. Uh, okay. let, let me show it to you. Ephesians chapter, chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I, I, got, I got to show it to you. Ephesians chapter 1. And the verse is number 1. I'm going to drop down to verse number 3 the same time. Blessed be the God. Listen, listen. Blessed be the God of the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Who have blessed us. Notice now, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in what? Oh, God, not, not in clearly. In Christ. We are blessed. God, the reason why I, I, there have been times God knows I didn't want to do what my boss said. But because I knew all spiritual blessings, was in Christ. God see Christ, not me. It says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Notice what it says. Having predestinated us, good God Almighty, unto adoption, children Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pledge of his will. To the praise of his glory, of his grace, wherein he have made us, made us accepted in the beloved. <laughs> the reason why God loved me is because every time he see me, I hide behind Jesus. <laughs> I'm behind Jesus. <laughs> Good God of my Jesus says, in whom he has redeemed or redemption through the, his blood, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abundant toward us in all wisdom and beauty, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purpose in himself. We was dead in sin. Couldn't live in love. And God said, Jesus, down on the cross. You're not a good preacher, you don't come out with it. Sunday morning. 
got up out the grave. And that's why I can serve the Lord. Why? And Peter cut the man's ear off. Jesus reached down and put it back. Why? Because the man needs to hear the word of God. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You hear the gospel? Believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. That'll make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. And my God, listen, and when you get the, the right wisdom, and no boss can boss you around. Why? Because you're getting around doing what he asked. I'm your speaker, Brother Clay Phillips. Remember this. Keep it real. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. When I see the
listening to the gospel light radio show ladies and gentlemen i want to thank you for tuning into the broadcast this evening we certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio show on blog talk radio as well as through social media i believe brother clay was live uh doing his presentation on the broadcast this evening you can go to his facebook page and see and listen to that presentation i want to thank my co-host tim Bench for his lesson hate hated by the world tim always does a great job Excuse me. On this broadcast, I always look forward to hearing uh, messages from Tim on this show, as well as Brother Clay. He always preaches powerful lessons on this broadcast as well. Talking about living with a difficult boss. That was a very interesting topic <laughs> that Brother Clay gave us on the broadcast this evening. And also my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, he answered a very tough question from an anonymous query from the state of North Carolina. If Luke was not an apostle, how do we know that he, um, his writings are true? So he gave us some very uh, good information in answering that question. Some things I'd never heard before. So I always like hearing uh, the answers to some of these questions. But we could always learn something on these radio shows. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just so thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast. It is our prayer that the lessons and the things that were said on this broadcast has been, on, has been beneficial to your spiritual lives. And your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuned in to this radio show, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's word. I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. I'm your host, Steve R. Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Anybody out there Having trials and tribulations I just want to encourage you Keep moving on I need somebody who's been through something Help me not I've had some ups and downs Hard times in my life I've had to wipe so many tears From my weeping eyes No, the pain will last only for a night that's why I'll hold on till the morning light. Ooh, you see the suffering we're going through, it don't compare. 
the treasures that are waiting for us over there. I gotta keep on climbing, though sometimes we make it hard. But we ain't gonna stop till we reach the top. The devil tries to make us think there is no way out. Maybe you lost the one that was close to you. Maybe you're sick and there's nothing you can do. Oh, yeah. Just keep your eyes to the sky. When times get hard, keep pressing toward the prize. Oh, you see, I try. They won't last for long. They only make us so they gotta keep on.